I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Stables are not created to be forgotten. Quite the opposite, in fact. The great wrestling groups are there to prop up their leaders, then ideally get the troops over in plain sight. The Four Horsemen existed for the Ric Flair cause, but earned TV time, titles, and wrestling infamy in the process. And The Rock's rise happened for real when he became the ruler of the nation of domination. These groups, though, yeah, they didn't have the chance to do any of that because they were gone quicker than I can say. Titus, well, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, and these are 10 short-lived wrestling stables you've already forgotten. Number 10, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. Brought together as something of a lame sequel to the already quite lame Dogs of War, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley were united by one fairly futile cause, Destroy the Shield, before they parted ways for good. WWE had uncharacteristically elected to use the best version of Dean Ambrose during his supposed final months, we all know it's a work, uh, with the organization, rather than continuing on with the failed heel gimmick that had blighted the months that came before. Bringing the Hounds of Justice back together for one last run, the company also had hitherto unseen babyface momentum behind both Seth Rollins as a well-liked challenger to Brock Lesnar's dominance and a Roman Reigns character returning from a devastating stating leukemia diagnosis the prior October. Corbin, Lashley and McIntyre were thus rendered fairly rudderless by their opposition more than their own failings. But that was sort of the point. They were giant men, but physical stature only went so far in the face of genuine WWE megastars. Number 9. The Knights of the Lone Wolf Like everything in 2020, these guys really needed the roar of a crowd to establish them. But 2021 was an optimistic destination, even after the first segment took place in December. WWE seemingly lost interest in the idea almost immediately after unveiling it, and the pair vanished from Corbin's side without trace. Worse still, the former King of the Ring didn't even make mention of their disappearance in the weeks that followed. And when Steve Cutler was released in February, the actor assumed dead forever and confirmed as such when Wesley Blake followed him out the door during April's mass releases. Number 8. The Ascension 
Originally a major topic of conversation during the earliest days of Triple H's NXT, aww, the Ascension was an act greater than the sum of its parts in terms of presentation, but a long way short of the peak it reached following several refinements. Carried over from Florida Championship Wrestling, the group had gotten smaller by the time developmental operations moved to Full Sail University. Having started with Kenneth Cameron, Conor O'Brien, Tito Colon and Raquel Diaz as a theoretically dominant group. The group disbanded, having failed to make much of an impression, with the name sticking around until Cameron and O'Brien adopted it for their doubles act as WWE Upton moved from Tampa to Florida. Finding its final form with O'Brien and Rick Victor, the tag team variant felt a long way removed from its roots as a rather pointless entity on a localized Floridian show almost nobody watched. Hard to know if it was better or worse than how they ended up. Number 7. Super Bad Death Squad Formally wrapped up due to Jimmy Havoc's 2020 release, the Super Bad Death Squad should have gone that way much sooner anyway, because fewer acts in AEW ever felt as insignificant. Dark regulars as flailing single stars, Havoc and Kip Sabian came together to cause, well, not that much bother at all in undercard tag team matches in the early days of the pandemic. In a company with elite in the title, these two were anything but, and this was never clearer than when they somehow backdoored into a tag team title match against Kenny Omega and Hangman Page in June. Outmatched and outclassed, the match felt like a depressingly inessential defense for the fascinating champions. The loss was as good as their last act. Sabian was paired with newcomer Miro not long after Havoc went on his hiatus, and the group were never mentioned again after the break was made permanent. Number 6. Cosmic Wasteland Cult favorites during a particularly strange period in Cody Rhodes' professional life, the Cosmic Wasteland was effectively an acknowledgement from the company that they managed to fail two acts at the same time. It's almost impressive, isn't it? The Ascension had long been decimated literally and figuratively by WWE's main roster booking by the time they came together, with the equally adrift Stardust, wonder what he's up to nowadays, to form a group that may as well have been called Space for all the sense it made. The three of them had painted faces and a confusing lexicon, but this was neither the experimental WWE of the 80s, nor even the desperate one of the mid-90s. As a company, the place was comfortable and the whole gimmick registered as nothing more than a pithy comedy bit as a result. Very little of the scripting made sense anyway, but WWE almost never booked them in programs worth investing in, and Cody's departure in 2016 thankfully brought the stupid experiment to an abrupt halt. Number 5. The Old Age Outlaws A short-sighted and retrograde WCW idea designed to try and find a light at the end of the tunnel caused by another one, Terry Funk's 2000 feud with Kevin Nash for control of WCW resulted in him forming his own group to try and tackle the reformed New World Order. Nash, Bret Hart, Scott Hall and calm down Michael Hamlet, Jeff Jarrett had got the band back together again again at the end of 1999 and had attempted as heels to get hold of all the available titles and a presidency title that had laid dormant since Ric Flair went bloody bonkers doing it a few months prior. Funk's strategy was sound on paper but somewhat of a uh, disaster in practice. The Old Age Outlaws was a funny name but the truth of it was too cruel and too ineffective to work long time. Paul Orndorff, Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco were all in various stages of infection 
forced retirement, carrying only the first half of Funk's middle-aged and crazy moniker with them. It would have been a piece of piss for the order long-term, had they too not fizzled quickly as the company continued careering off a cliff. Number 4. The Nightmare Collective Oh, God. One of AEW's first and only bona fide failures, the Nightmare Collective represented a series of bad ideas placed atop one another in the faint hope that something, anything, would stick. Brandy Rhodes' alliance with Awesome Kong hadn't yielded anything noteworthy before the duo became a trio with the addition of the relatively unknown Mel. Things went from bad to worse the more they appeared on television. The collective's existence brought some truly rotten creative. Rhodes' character appeared to undergo some sort of dark and twisted transformations, but the reasons for it occurring went largely unrepresented and unexplained. Boxed into 2019's spooky bollocks corner of Dynamite alongside the original Dark Order concept, the group quietly admitted created defeat and disbanded in early 2020. Number 3. Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises Teddy Longs' last regular gig as a manager in the traditional sense before taking over SmackDown in 2004 found him at first choosing violence as a way to get his message across of systemic hate in WWE. Predictably, this was all a little too sensitive for the company to properly address, begging the question, why they even bothered in the first place? But bother they did, and Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises were born as a bland, Monday Night Raw heel unit. Having dumped D'Lo Brown as his first client, Long picked up Rodney Mack and later Mark Henry, Chris Nowinski and a select few others to gamely fight oppression in an organisation that's typically made baby faces out of the oppressors. Almost never in contention for titles or even bothering in a business of the Red Band's moribund heroes at the time, their year-plus run has been lost to decades of similar content spew. Number 2. EV 2.0 A slightly tragic rebadging of some ECW legends five years after everybody had lost interest in that slice of 90s nostalgia, EV 2.0's name didn't even carry with it the threat the hardcore legends might once have done. Extreme violence reeked of the sort of copyright-avoiding terminology TNA was stuck with every time they pathetically leaned on old concepts. Raven, Stevie Richards, Rhino, Tommy Dreamer, Mick Foley and select others had hung on from a revival pay-per-view in 2010 following an angle that started with them battering half of the TNA regulars despite ostensibly being the babyfaces. Beyond the sub-one-night stand event in the summer, the group hung around and tries to cause trouble in the mid-card before being picked off and retired all over again by the various branches of Fortune and Immortal. Number 1. John Cena, Big E and CM Punk Yep, this happened. An anti-Shield task force there to theoretically elevate relative newcomer Big E Langston and neutralise the authorities' heel threat as a nice Christmas present for the audience, the short-lived trio of Cena, E and Punk are survived by a particularly spunky promo on the December 23rd, 2013 edition of Monday Night Raw. Punk noted it was rare he'd show such humility, but as a paid and made babyface at the time, he had some fun with the bit, confirming for Renee Young that his muscle-bound partners came as early gifts from Sam himself. It was one of the last times in the company he'd looked particularly thrilled with anything before his acrimonious departure. An absolute blast of a main event ended, yeah, you guessed it, without a finish, but Langston very nearly had Roman Reigns pinned 
for the predictable schmoz. The long-forgotten trio got the last laugh on the night, toasting the sort of joy the summer of burying Daniel Bryan had persistently taken away. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.